Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Beyond the Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Fubuda. I'll be joined today again by our co-host, Alex Boudreau. Uh, Today's episode, we actually have um, a little bit of a different tune from what we've been doing the last few weeks. We've been more in that entertainment route going, you know, actors and um, musicians and things like that. Um, This one, we actually did an interview, two interviews. We combined the two. We did them on the same day. Um, Mayan Gordon, um, who is now TikTok famous, TikTok expert. Um, She's famous for her glass artwork. She's really interesting. Uh, she does some media consulting now. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're really excited to show, uh, give you some free games. You know, she spits out some free game for you guys. If you guys are looking to build a brand, um, you know, looking to find ways to get better and bigger on TikTok, um, all social media platforms really is, 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 is the gist of our conversation. And then that theme kind of carries through to our conversation with Kylie Francis, who's the CEO of her own uh, consulting company as well. Uh, both big time social media influencers and uh, yeah, they, they're giving a lot of free games. So if you guys are looking to build some brands, um, you know, they gave us some great advice and, you know, I'm sure you guys will pick up some great things here. Um, you know, we dropped their, their social media handles, uh, as well, and they'll be tagged in the posts and things on social media. So, you know, definitely give them a follow, definitely reach out to them. They're super, super, uh, open to helping everyone uh, they possibly can. So, um, two really great people and, uh, we're excited to share this episode with you guys. So Bruce, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! Recording out of New York City, New York. Welcome to the undisputed greatest podcast in the world, Beyond the Brand! Yeah, so Kylie, welcome. Um, kind of run us through your background a little bit. Like, I mean, before we start recording, you told us a little bit that you're from Philly um, and you were a swimmer, uh, D1 swimmer. Kind of walk us through that um, and then kind of take us through your journey to what you do now with social media marketing. Yeah, so I'm not your typical, okay, one day I decided to wake up and be a social media marketer, kind of like how all the other marketers are <laughs> online. Yeah. My journey actually started, I hate to say it was nine years ago already, because it makes me sound super old, but <laughs> that's when my journey started. So like you already said, um, I grew up as an elite swimmer. A lot of my life was pretty much eat, sleep, swim, go to bed. Um, and I was at the Olympic trials level. Like I was really competitive with it. I swam two to four hours a day. And like you had already said, I swim in college. So I grew up outside of Philadelphia in the sticks. So I'm a farm girl, which a lot of people don't really think of when they see me first time, but I grew up with like cows, horses and all that stuff. So it was like, I need to get out of the sticks and I need to like go somewhere where I have that energy and whatever. So I actually went to University of Richmond before I transferred over to East Carolina, which is back to the sticks. So the sticks are calling my name. (laughs) But in the University of Richmond, I thought that I was going, like my plans were to either be a fashion designer or a doctor. So I was like, you know what? And then guidance from my parents are like, it's easier to fall back on being a fashion designer than it is to be a doctor. So long story short, went there. I just had a really bad falling out with my coach and my team. It was just a very negative place for me. And I ended up transferring to East Carolina. So then when I transferred, I was like, you know what? All the labs and stuff. I have a very outgoing personality. I'm an Enneagram 8 for anyone that's ever taken that test, which is 
the leader, the challenger, and just really being like that type of leadership role. And I wasn't seeing that in the labs that I was taking with, you know, practicing medicine. So transferred over to East Carolina, started studying business and fashion. And this goes ties into with how I got started into social media. So when I was on training trip in Jupiter, Florida, one year, one of my friends was like, oh my gosh, Kylie, like you need to join this website called Pinterest. And in my mind, I'm double majoring in fashion and business. I have double swim practices every single day, whether that's in the pool or out of the pool. I'm trying to keep up with my 3.8 GPA. And I'm just like, I don't have time to join Pinterest because back in, that was 2011. It was Facebook, Twitter, pretty much Facebook was still like posting on people's walls, like Mm -hmm. just all of that jazz. And I remember Tumblr was also a thing as well, which I also had. And one of my friends was like, Kelly, you need to get on Pinterest. Like Pinterest is amazing. And I'm just like, I don't have time for that. Like I need to focus on school swimming and I already have social media platforms. So after a little back and forth, which I don't even know what I would be doing right now if I never joined Pinterest that day. So I hopped onto Pinterest and I was like, this is fine, whatever. Because Pinterest was really back then a place for recipes and just kind of like wedding ideas, travel ideas. And I'm just not that type of girl. Like I'm not the type of girl to be like, let's go bake something today. Like I'm out there, grew up with two brothers. I was a middle child. Like I was playing the video games. I was playing football. Like I'm like, let's go walk on the beach, not sit on the beach type of person. So with Pinterest, it was really a vibe that wasn't me and my personality. Mm -hmm. So it was like, whatever, I'll just join it and see what it's about. So like I had already mentioned, I was studying fashion, which I was super obsessed with, curating outfits. I wanted to be a fashion designer. I was always into art. I really excelled in art, watercolors, all of that good stuff. So one day I was like, why aren't there really like fashion outfits or pins on Pinterest? So I've always been the type of person to also do everything out of the box, Mm -hmm. which also helps with being an entrepreneur. You kind of like if you... If you just like kind of dive in and do what everybody else is doing and you don't have your own vision, you're going to get lost in the swamp. So with Pinterest, I was, I just started pinning outfits. Like I was pinning, you know, outfits I found on Tumblr and then outfits that I was wearing. And as I was doing this, I was finding other people that were doing something similar, but not so much of the same as what I was doing. So I was more focused on the aesthetic outfit where a lot of people were pinning, you know, those images directly from a retailer's website. So you would see a skirt without a body and then a white background. Mm -hmm. So the difference between the two is one is aesthetically pleasing. It's eye captivating. You look at it and you're like, wow. Whereas the other one is kind of like, okay, that's a free people skirt. I like that. Um, I'll just pin it to my wall because I might want to buy it later. Mm-hmm. So I was capturing the emotion of the image, whereas other people were just capturing, you know, the logical, okay, I like that item type of vibe. I guess I'm going to say that's not the right word, but quick, whatever. Quick question for you. Is that, um, is that something yeah. that you just kind of came across in your like research and testing things out? Or is that something that like someone else inspired you to like look into? No, like I wasn't, I was, so what I had said earlier was people weren't doing the kind of outfit images. And that was because I got that inspiration from Tumblr. So Tumblr had all these blogger outfits. Mm -hmm. That's where blogs used to be situated where, um, people would have, 
sorry, people would have their outfits and the blogger sphere type. This is pre Instagram. Instagram's not a thing yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard to imagine life before Instagram, but everything was situated on Tumblr and or personal blogs. Mm -hmm. So when I was on Tumblr, I was seeing these outfits and that image wasn't on Pinterest yet. So that's kind of like how I started cultivating those images, but I was already doing that over on Tumblr. I was just pinning them from Tumblr onto Pinterest. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So as I was growing my Pinterest, I was finding other people. And this is what I teach in my courses and not just in my courses, but also in my free content, which is collaborating with people to grow your account. So what a lot of people do is when they go on social media, the first thing they think of is competition. And they're like, okay, this person's doing quote unquote, some of the exact same things I'm doing. So I can't collaborate with them because they are going to beat me, mm -hmm. which is in reality, not true. There's enough room for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I'm just a giver by nature. I love collaborating with other people and seeing what their ideas are, supporting them, whether or not we're in the same niche or not. So mm -hmm. I started collaborating with a lot of other fashion-based influencers on Pinterest. And another key thing to note is that I was collaborating with people that had about a thousand more followers than me. I wasn't going to the accounts that were in different niches that had, you know, 3 million followers already because I knew that was out of my reach. People with, you know, a little bit more influence than you are just as impactful as the people that have multi-millions of followers, mm -hmm. because especially in today's age, you don't know where those followers came from. They could have bought their followers. You know, they could have been famous from another platform. You know, they, like I said, you could have an influence from not even on social media. And then you already had that following, let's just say from an email list, or if you're a speaker, you don't know where this influence is coming from. Mm -hmm. So if you're kind of, you know, the broke college student that I was, no one knows your name, no one knows who you are, you kind of got to start from zero and mm -hmm. then just work your way up to the top. And you do that easily by commenting on other people's posts. If you're going to, if you're taking notes throughout this, I want you guys to write that down. Commenting <laughs> on other people's posts is what helps you support other people with mm -hmm. valuable comments. Obviously you're not just commenting all of the hundreds of emojis or whatever, but when you show that the support to other people, they will support you back. And that is what happened with my Pinterest. It started growing, you know, inch by inch. I had 4,000, 10,000 followers to this day of 102,000 followers now on Pinterest. But back when I got to around 10,000 followers on Pinterest, I was just, this was in 2012. Mm -hmm. So back then, you know, making a website cost you $15,000. You had to get a professional coder, you know, or you knew the trade yourself, which mm -hmm. I didn't. I was in college. I was swimming all the time. I barely had any time on my hands. So I went to Google. I always say that I know everything I know now from Google University and my own experience. Yeah. So I went to Google and I typed in, how do bloggers make money? Mm -hmm. Because I was genuinely curious. I've always been a curious person. I Google everything if I don't know an answer about anything. And when I typed that in, there was obviously all these different ways. You could have banner ads, which didn't work for Pinterest because Pinterest images are clickable links. Okay, mm -hmm. I want you guys to think of it like when you go on to Pinterest and you see a picture, it's actually a clickable link right, that takes yeah. you to another website and it's also a search engine. Mm -hmm. So how that works best with affiliate marketing, which is what I chose on how to monetize my Pinterest, was I didn't need a website. All the links were already set up for me and I was getting paid per click 
and per purchase of the item that I was pushing onto Pinterest. People that searched for my outfits didn't necessarily have to be following me in order to see my content. So boiling all this down together, I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll sign up for this affiliate marketing website. I chose shop style. There's thousands of them out there now, but I chose shop style because I was pinning outfits onto Pinterest. So I was like, I'll do this for one image. You know, I don't care about the result. It's whatever. I'm in college. I'll just see what happens. I wasn't, I think that's another thing about my journey is I've never been attached to money the way that a lot of people, a lot of people do things because they want money. Whereas I do it because I'm passionate about it and the result is the result, but I'm not going to quit until I see the result that I want. So I set up this pen with the affiliate link. It was an outfit. I went to bed. I was in my dorm room. It was senior year. And I woke up the next day. So mind you, I pinned this outfit and then I went to sleep. And I said, I'll just see what happens, right? So prior to this, I knew that my pins were already getting clicks on them Mm -hmm. because I could see the results through the Mm repins. So I went, created the pin on Pinterest, went to sleep, woke up, and the next day I made 50 cents through affiliate marketing. And everyone's listening is probably like, okay, that's 50 cents, whatever. But I was so ecstatic. I was literally jumping on my bed because I made money while I slept. Mm -hmm. So I know that was like a long drawn out story, but going from 50 cents to six figures in a year from Pinterest, as my following grew, as I was pinning a hundred images a day, I started adding all of those links to the outfits. And because I grew my following authentically, my followers wanted what I was posting. So I knew it wasn't one of those things where I was, you know, posting and I'm like, oh, I'm hoping people like this. Mm -hmm. People like my content because they were following me and they were repinning my posts. And the great thing about Pinterest is, like I said earlier, it's a clickable link. Mm -hmm. So every time someone clicked the link on my Pinterest, I made money per click and per purchase if they purchased the item. But not just my Pinterest, if someone repinned it, it's kind of like this snowball effect. So how does that relate to where I'm at now is with Pinterest, and I started doing that for 30 minutes a day, that's it. I was kind of like lost in translation almost because I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. My parents were really, you know, my mom was supportive of what I was doing, but my dad and his side of the family were just kind of like, you need to get a real job, go to New York City, become a fashion buyer, because that was the era that our parents were raised in, yeah. was, you know, you go to a physical workplace, you get a real job, and that's what's going to make you real money. Yeah. And I was so torn because I'm trying to explain to people, I feel like I wasted so much time explaining to people what I do. Because it's just one of those things where it's a different generation and people are either going to get it or they're not. And I see this so many times, especially with my students in my Facebook group. They're like, you know, people just don't understand what I do. I don't know. like, And everyone keeps battling other people in relation to posting or doing what their passion is about. And it's like there comes a time where you just have to let go of what other people say, Mm -hmm. let go of what other people think, and just do what you want to do. Like Mm -hmm. the people that are going to get it are going to get it. And if they don't, then they're just not going to. And it has nothing to do with you. And then like as the years went on, Instagram came around, 
I got into CrossFit. I started using Instagram as like my CrossFit platform along with my travel Mm -hmm. photography and all this stuff just kind of like bubbled on together, which comes to where I am today, which is starting my social media agency. And I teach other businesses how to capitalize on social media, how to create profitable strategies so they can use social media as a way to make money online for their business, which now more than ever, as we're seeing. Um, Do you feel that building up an audience and building up your brand and like getting followers, you think kind of like, for example, on TikTok, a lot of people are using the strategy where they kind of bait people into following them. And then they're saying, well, once I get the following I want, then I'll go into like what I really want to do. Do you agree with that or do you agree more so with what you were saying before about like getting authentic followers and like building off people who actually genuinely like want to see you for the content you're posting? Well, the difference between the two is one's a profitable strategy and the other one is not. Right. So if I'm posting value-based content to the people that need what I have to offer, Mm -hmm. those are potential clients that are following me. Right. Okay. I'm not necessarily, and this goes ties back into goals. So another thing that people get wrong too is when they start on social media, they don't really have a goal. Their goal is, okay, maybe this can make money. You know, maybe this will go somewhere. Maybe this, maybe that. And that's not a goal. Mm-hmm. A goal is, is that you can use social media to grow your brand recognition. You can use social media to increase profits in your business. You can use social media to maybe create a course and then make it another outlet where you can scale your business through the internet. So there's, and those are three ways. There's thousands of ways. It depends on your end goal, okay? Mm -hmm. So once you start with a goal, then you can have a strategy because if your only goal is to grow followers because you wanna be a billboard for other people's companies, then I've never heard of the bait strategy before, but if that's what you wanna do, go for it. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that strategy is people aren't following you for the reasons you're gonna wanna monetize on later, right? So what a lot of people do backwards is they'll grow their following and they're like, oh, I wanna sell this perfect product, perfect course that I made, Mm -hmm. that I thought of, that I think other people are gonna like, I know they're gonna like it because I love it. And that's just not how it works. You have to create products and services for what your ideal following wants and loves. So what we see on Instagram a lot is a lot of these bikini models, they'll grow their following on Instagram and then they try to sell a business course. And it's like, well, your followers are all men that like you for your body. They don't they don't care that you started off business coaching, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the difference between bait content or bait followers versus value-based content. Because if you start off your platform by delivering value, mm-hmm. they are gonna take you seriously and the know, like, and trust is gonna grow faster and you're gonna be top in mind to the person reading your content. This has to be done consistently because if you're kind of just in like the follow unfollow tactics on social media, doing all the gimmicky stuff, that that makes people more mad than it does for the instant gratification you gain in that split second. You're like, oh my gosh, these people are following me back because I follow them, let me unfollow them. And then they notice that now. People go back and check and see who unfollows them, especially if they have under a certain amount of followers. So 
you're going to gain that reputation and it's not good. Yeah. This is why I'm a big believer on repurposing content. It makes things so much easier. It's a way to get across all platforms mm-hmm. and you don't have to do the same work you're already doing. Mm-hmm. So for example, you can take this podcast and you can put it onto a YouTube channel. Right. You can strip the audio and you can take screenshots and put it on your Instagram story. You can put it on your Instagram TV. Yep. You can create a TikTok from it. Like even if you're doing blooper reels, like there's so many fun ways you can incorporate all the channels. And I think the word fun is what people miss. Mm-hmm. So they think of business and they think professional. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm a C-suite executive. I can't do that because people aren't going to like me. And it's like, no, they're actually going to love you more yeah. because they're going to be able to connect and they're going to be able to relate to you. And when people relate, they buy off of emotion and then they justify with logic. Mm-hmm. So you really want to make sure that you're getting in all facets of your brand through, I teach about the four types of content, which is education, connection, inspiration, and sales. Mm-hmm. It's not all sell, 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 or reposting, you know, Forbes articles from 2013. Right. Like that is not your business. That's somebody else's business that you're growing because you're too lazy to create content for your own channel. Yeah. So have fun with it. Like yeah. it can be really fun and I think the moment we act out of desperation is the moment we put pressure on ourselves and that's the moment it doesn't become fun because we're doing it for a reason that isn't because of this is my purpose, this is my passion. Mm -hmm. It's like I need this because I need money and I need it now. So I'm going to do all of the crazy gimmicky things and hopefully they work. I also think too another big problem is like people – a lot of people care a lot what other people think too. I think that's a big issue. Oh, too. absolutely. Like, honestly, half the bell, like, how many times, like, growing up or even, in, like, in college and shit, because we went to college together, like, we would say, we would come up with, like, a million dollar idea, like, oh, dude, that would be sick if we did this, or, like, oh, we should do this. And then you just never act never on it. it because yeah. you, because in the time, in the moment, you're like, I don't know, you're caught up and you're, we were young, so you're kind of, like, caught up with what people think a lot. And I'm using us as an example, but I know it's very common. It's like, dude, fuck, like, we should have done, like, we should have. We talked about this podcast for years, years ago, and now we finally are like comfortable, like you said, like comfortable mm-hmm. with our lives to like finally like start something, and like the support we've got from like the people who actually care has been great. But at the same time, too, the people who like don't give a fuck, it's like <laughs> exactly. And the point you brought up, every single person goes through it. Yeah, it's yeah. not just you. I've gone through it. It's everybody, yeah. and I think yeah. that's a natural path of life because that's a part of growth. It's mm-hmm. like personal development, learning who you are, learning that what you're called to do is actually what you should be doing and then having faith and trusting in that path and not caring what people, I always say this and I'm not the first person to say it, take advice from people that are already where you want to go. Don't listen to people like your friends. And even if they mean that some can mean the best, but they just, they can't relate because I have friends too that support me, but I can't go to them. If I have a business decision that I need to make, I'm going to go to my mentor. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't care about them less or not that I don't take their opinions to heart because I still do, but it's a different type of advice because the people that have been or are at where you want to go have a clear vision of where you're at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you right now, when I transitioned from Pinterest to starting, you know, selling my own products and courses, I already had the back end set up for me. I was just setting up pins and the funnel was already made because Mm -hmm. I was directing people to Nordstrom, you know, free people, all of these retailers websites, they already have the product in place, the funnel in place. 
all of that consumer psychology in place, I didn't know any of that. So when I started creating my own products and services, I had to learn how to create my own sales funnels. I had to learn copywriting. Mm -hmm. I had to learn, you know, how to tell stories. Why was I the person people should listen to? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's stuff you don't learn in school. And the great thing about that is that there's thousands of books on it by experts and you just got to start don't like, yeah, there's like, I could probably name 50 books off the top of my head, but I think the most important piece of advice is just pick one up and read it and you'll get to the other 49 later. Yeah. So don't worry about which one's the best, which one should I start with? Pick one up, start learning and just keep going. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I give you a lot of props too, because I think it's another thing that people, like you said, your dad like didn't really agree with what you were doing. And I think mm-hmm. not even in just, not even just your situation, but like other situations as well, like. For example, like when I I had a, I had a job out of college that I fucking hated. Like I was miserable and I quit. And my parents were, my mom was more like disappointed in me for like how do you quit without a job lined up? It's a huge risk. Blah blah blah. Um, eventually, like it all worked out for me. Like later on, but in the moment, like you feel like your parents like pressure coming on you. And I think that was a mm-hmm. big growing point for me personally, which I think people should use. And like that's when I just started doing things that I wanted to do because I wanted to do it. It's like. It sounds kind of fucked up, but like when, when you genuinely do things because you want to do, like good things come because you're doing something that makes you happy. You're doing what you want to do. So. Exactly. And I think you touched on two great points where the most important one is, are you happy? Yeah. I can't stand, I remember living up north, like going out in New York City, going out in Philly. The first question I feel like people ask me is, is what's your job? And the first question I ask them is, are you happy with what you're doing? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like giving you life advice here, but just like you can continue to do your passions while you're maybe working in a job. So like as your passions, like it takes six months to a year, maybe two years to build up. Like maybe longer too. Still have, yeah. That's the thing too. Patience is another huge thing that people don't have. Another thing people ask me too is like, well, how long is this going to take? Yeah. And I'm like, you're in it for life. Yeah. A lot of people, they, especially with social media, I think this is like the negative thing that people take from social media is they look and they see where people are and they think it was like snap of the finger when it really wasn't. Like it, there was so much that went behind to get to that point. Like it doesn't happen yeah. in a year or like two years or three years. It might happen in 10 years, like, but you've got to like stick with exactly. it. Exactly. It. It's like, that's the biggest thing too. But Yeah. And another thing too is that I think people really overthink how they... They almost think it's like, how much can I do in a month to get the result that people have that took them five years to get? And it's like, no. How consistent can you be every single day Mm -hmm. to be like that in five years? Because the thing is, is that people have this time frame. They have this made up time frame where it's like a yes or no, like I failed or I didn't fail. So Mm -hmm. let's just hypothetically say... They did it for three months. They're only at like a hundred Instagram followers, a hundred TikTok followers. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They're like, eh, this isn't happening fast enough for me. I failed. Whereas yeah. if you just kept staying consistent for another six months, another year, you could potentially be at five hundred thousand, a million followers on TikTok. Stop comparing like someone else's journey and what someone else says is right or wrong 100%. versus your own journey. That's another mistake. And you said this too about social media. And it's funny you say that because I'm watching, um, have on my TV, uh, YouTube, and I'm watching Lewis Howes being interviewed by Jordan Belfort. And he's talking about his podcast and how he got started. And he was like, I did it because it was a passion project. And in the first year, he only had 650 downloads. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now he has, what, 65 million? Yeah. Seven years later? Yeah. So if he would have given up after the first year because he's like, oh, some guru said I should have 5,000 downloads in the first year, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have the School of Greatness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's all, and he wasn't really anybody. Yeah. He was just like us, just yeah. like you guys. And yeah. I think it's, you got to put blinders on. And if that yeah. means unfollowing people that you used to look up to on social media, it means doing that. Because another thing that we see getting wrong too is like copying other people's business models. Just because it worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work yeah. for you. If you're consistently providing value to other people, which helps one person, that should be everybody's goal is I'm pushing this piece of content out because my goal is just to help one person. But then you're soon going to realize that it helps a lot of people and that's going to make you feel really good about yourself. What we learn in school is actually the complete opposite of how we interact with people in real life. That's another thing too, is like when you see somebody that's like an influencer, someone that has a lot of fame, it's like, don't think that those people are perfect or any better than what you are. Because if you have the experience and you've proven yourself in your niche or sector and you're just like kind of getting started on social media use that and this goes back to what i was saying about value-based content use the value that you know to impress other people the more you give value the more you will get in return because your following will never question Mm -hmm. your level of expertness or whatever you want to call it when you give value consistently because you're showing up every single day what are your thoughts on twitter are you are you as active because i think i'm on your page right now only Twitter, I just repurpose content too, and I that's where I create my content for LinkedIn. So Twitter is just one of those, okay, if I make a pin, I'll send it to Twitter. If I have a YouTube video, I'll send it to Twitter, just because it's always in the social sharing icon. Twitter isn't really where I get clients from. Yeah, you where know. I get my clients from are, I get a lot of traffic from Pinterest. So Pinterest funnels to all of my other social media channels. So my YouTube, my Facebook group, and LinkedIn, and also my website. But the lead client generator that I'm getting so far is from LinkedIn. And that makes sense because it's a business platform. Whereas I think people on Facebook, it's kind of like, (laughs) I think Shay Robottom said this one. She was like, Facebook's like the backyard barbecue. And it's like, that's so true. Like you have people on Facebook that are entrepreneurs, but you're like, what? Like, yeah, you're an entrepreneur, but like, what does that definition mean to you? Like, you don't really know, like you can see people write that about themselves, but you don't know the level of credibility. Whereas with LinkedIn, it's like everyone shows up there as inspirational, motivational, business oriented. When you, it's just the end user psychology of the platform. When you think of LinkedIn, what do you think of? Business, right? When I think of Twitter, I think of news. When I think of Pinterest, I think of like, Well, I think of it as pinnable images, but I'm sure other people think of it as like, you know, the women's destination for wedding cakes and all that stuff. Facebook backyard barbecue, Instagram is just kind of like, you know, fake it till you make it, right? So if you actually think of where your ideal client lives, go prioritize. I'm not saying you shouldn't be on all the platforms because you should, but figure out which ones you want to prioritize making content for and then repurpose to other channels. Podcasting is in my future as well. That's something that I've been like hesitant on, which for no reason whatsoever, I think it's like a timing thing. Because the latest platform that I just dove into was YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I was in this position where I was doing Facebook Lives almost every single day. And I had all this valuable content, 
But I realized that only, and this is statistically proven, that 3% of my following, even less, was seeing my content on Facebook. It's not your content. It's not the perfect hashtags. It's not the perfect time to post. It's, do you, are you using the platform that's optimized to show people organically for like, which means for free, your content? With YouTube, I did a lot of learning, but I knew a lot of the SEO practices because of Pinterest. So that helped me a lot. But when it came to, you know, creating like the subscribe button, like next to the video, like I looked that up, like I do research and I learn from other people, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of what works for you is in your own data and analytics. So this is something that a lot of people look like, don't really focus on that much is they're kind of like, okay, this blog post said the best time to post on LinkedIn was Wednesday at 4.01 PM. And it's like, no, the best time to post on LinkedIn is when you post consistently for a month, you see through your own data and analytics, what content your followers love, what content made people subscribe the most to your channel, Mm -hmm. you know, what hashtags you use that brought in the most followers. And then you do more of that, not what of what a blog post said. What's the secret today? The secret time, secret hashtags, like I already said, the secret is consistency. The secret is pushing out amazing content. And by amazing, that means valuable. That doesn't mean you need to do a cartwheel on top of Mount Everest, Mm -hmm. okay? It means you need to be consistently providing value to the people that are waiting for you to show up. Because when you do that, those people are gonna be able to rely on you. Take us a little bit through your journey of kind of discovering TikTok, which platform you discovered first, or actually backtrack and tell us a little bit about your story because on your LinkedIn, it says you were, went from homeless to homeowner to business owner. So I, I'm kind of, I want to hear the full story from the background. Yeah, definitely. So it's a, it's a fun story with a lot of ups and downs, but basically it started when I was back in college and I was going to Occidental College in Los Angeles for a chemistry degree because Basically, my entire life, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, I thought that, you know, I I grew up in a home where it was, you know, become a doctor, become a lawyer, get like a really good job and push yourself to, you know, the, the maximum of your academic abilities. And so I was, you know, on this one set route. But then when I got away from that environment and I was in college, I had a lot more freedom to like think about, you know, what it is that I really, really wanted and think about the options that were available at the time. And I was really privileged to grow up with a laptop. So I got my first laptop when I was 12 years old, um, like a really nice Lenovo um, high functioning laptop for the time. And I was able to like just explore on the laptop, you know, throughout my my teen years, um, just doing research on the internet, like learning, you know, all sorts of different things that I was curious about and interested in. And so in college, I started picking up all these freelance gigs off of Craigslist. And I really fell into um, the writing gigs that I, I was really good at because I developed these writing skills in high school. And it was really fun for me. It was very, very different than writing an essay. I, I always thought I hated writing because I hated the writing that we did in school, which was, you know, essays and book reports, things like that. Um, But then when I started writing for businesses, which is really much more about connecting people, um, the the style of writing you do with, you know, email marketing, with um, landing pages, with, you know, digital products is all very trying to connect with a person. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that style of writing. And so I started getting to thinking, I was like, man, why am I spending you know, $50,000 a year to go to these classes that I'm 
not feeling I'm getting any value out of because they were lecture style for the most part. Um, and doing the writing, I felt not only that it was something fun and I enjoyed, but it was something I was getting paid to do instead of having to pay money for. And I felt like I was learning while I was working, which was something kind of that, that was a new experience to me. I'd always been in kind of a style of learning where they teach you something, you take it, you go back, and then you do learning. Um, and this kind of very interactive style of learning while I was writing was just like fascinating to me and I fell in love with it. So I dropped out of college, uh, moved in with my boyfriend who I had uh, known for only three months at the time, but Jeez. we had this like long distance relationship and essentially we fell in love with each other. So I moved in with him, um, but like didn't tell my parents any of this stuff. They were not happy when they found out. So let me ask you, <laughs> can, I, can I ask you a quick question? Like, so you said you, your parents, you came from a family that was like, oh, you need to be a doctor, you need to do something like that. Eventually, like when they found out what you were doing, like how did they react? So they, they weren't happy because they found out under the premise of like, I dropped out of school and moved in with this boyfriend who they'd never met before. <laughs> right. um, so how old were you I, when this happened? Yeah, what year, like... Uh, this was when I was 19, so I'm 28 years old right now, I'm yeah. about to turn 29 in a couple months, so this was about 10 years ago, gotcha. um, 2010, I believe. So you're like a freshman, and sophomore. Yeah, young, yeah, really young, but you were a freshman yeah. in college, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so I w things were going really great, we were um, living out of um, a rental house in Seattle that was shared between a bunch of roommates, so the rent was like super, super cheap, mm -hmm. um, I was making like $800 a week doing you know, this copywriting, had no idea about how money worked at the time because um, I just didn't grow up in an environment where my parents taught me about money. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was like, you know, a million dollars. I didn't know about taxes, um, like at all. I thought that someone just took them out and <laughs> you got like a refund at the end of the year. I didn't know how it worked. And so like I wasn't setting aside any money for taxes, wasn't saving any money because mm -hmm. I was just young and got had money for the first time and was spending all of it right. um, and enjoying the freedom that I had from it. So what ended up happening is we moved, me and my boyfriend, Ben, who's my husband now, we moved into our own rental house mm -hmm. um, and things were going great for a while, but uh, we ended up being in a house explosion. So oh, there man. was a accumulation of gas in our house that ended up exploding while we were cooking at the stove Holy and shit. it like didn't completely destroy the house, but it blew out all the windows. It like cracked the roof all the way around. It had like a significant amount of damage that we had to pay for. Uh, didn't have renter's insurance again. Wait, you guys, just, yeah, you guys had to pay for it? Did. You guys what? had to pay for that? Yes. What? Yeah. You guys yeah, were inside, so, were you? She was cooking at the stove. You were cooking at the stove, really? Wow. Yeah, and Holy so shit. the other part was, so like we were we were naked cooking at the stove. Because <laughs> <laughs> nice. we were just like naked all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Like the house much. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you guys are just naked. Yeah, you guys, you guys are young. I mean, we cook naked too in our apartment. So. <laughs> yeah, like it's a, it's a wonderful. Thing to do. Everyone should try it. We just hop in the pod. Like. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we're thinking. Ben was in front of me. Ben, my husband, uh, was in front of me. I was kind of standing behind him, like, because I don't cook. He cooks, um, and I watch. <laughs> what a guy. I love to watch food. <laughs> So, um, like, all of a sudden, it was just this really, really loud noise, um, like, concussed backwards. Jeez. But it happened so quickly um, that you don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, very confusing. Um, I, I wear pretty strong um, 
prescription contact lenses, and right. my contact lenses got like crinkle singed in the explosion, and because it's a flash burning of everything. Yeah. Like it's so fast, but it's so hot that it immediately like burns the things that the fire touches. Yeah. So my contact lens got lenses got burned. I didn't know what was Jeez. going on. Like my eyes had you know been damaged. Jeez. Ran to the bathroom, flipped them out, then kind of like. <laughs> realized what was going on with the rest of my body so luckily I had just gotten burned on my lower um left leg mostly a little bit on my right leg too but Ben because he was standing in front got burned on like his chest and like down down most of his legs so um we ended up you know calling the hospital um they took us to they're calling the ambulance took us to the hospital I was discharged a day later um Ben had to stay in the hospital for more than a week um but luckily, thanks to modern medicine, we both recovered. Like, do you have any scars? Uh-huh. Do you have any scars from it or no? No. So wow. um, I have some places where I don't have to shave anymore on my legs, which is <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, absolutely zero scarring. That's um, good. Just because of the the special uh, silver bandages that they have now for burns that are like magical. Yeah. Did wow. you tell your parents about this at the time? <laughs> yeah. So this is a little bit how they found out about everything all at once. <laughs> Oh, nice. So, Great way to I've open been, up. <laughs> I've been messaging them, you know, maybe like once every two weeks just to let them like, know I was okay. Like, oh, like, like, oh, class, classes, are go, classes are going good, yeah. <laughs> My house blew up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, <laughs> I was messaging once every two weeks, but then, like, when we blew ourselves up, it was like, call the parents, yeah. you know, have them come to the hospital type of deal. Right. Um, like, hey, we fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, could you guys come help now? <laughs> so, um, after that, it was really like putting our life back together for, I don't know, two months of, you know, recovering from the hospital. Um, and the backstory is we were, um, making butane hash oil and I won't go into a lot about what that is. Look it up. <laughs> I think I have, I think I have an idea of what it is. It's cannabis concentrate. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what, that's what I, that's what I, ourselves. Yeah. Um, I'm a little scientist, so I thought it was all, all cool doing it. We were doing it right outside our house, but we had our door open and I didn't know that butane is a heavier than air gas. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't float away the way you think of gas floating away. Mm-hmm. It sinks and gets blown into your house. And so that's what happened. Um, so essentially, you know, so, was a mistake and oversight. So that's why you guys had to pay for it because you were responsible for what had happened. So no. No, oh, I would have oh. had to pay for it either way. That's, like, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. have any money because we had to use everything we had to, you know, repay, uh, start repaying uh, the house damages and then also the hospital bills. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad lent us enough money to buy this 19-foot, 1978 Dodge Coachman RV. We moved everything into the RV in a single night that we, like, owned. That's awesome. um, because in Seattle... The cops hate and neighbors hate, hate, hate RVs. So even though we had this RV parked on our own rental property, um, yep. it, the cops got called Boy, the first night, good. and they're like, you got to get it out of here. <laughs> We're like, but it's ours, and this is our house. And like, you can't park it on the street, though. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Seattle's super strict like that. So we got out of Seattle, drove back down to Los Angeles, and parked literally next to the school I dropped out of. Um, and I stole <laughs> the internet because I still had my laptop. Yeah. I was like, I can make this work. I'm smart. I've got these skills. Like I've go. been doing copywriting. Like let me pick, try and pick that back up. Yeah. Um, what happened though? 
though, is because I lost contacts with the people who I was working for on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have that work to rely on. And as what happens with um, every kind of platform, this happened with Craigslist back in the day, um, it had shifted and become much, much more crowded to try and get those jobs in the gig section. So timing is everything, and now the timing wasn't good anymore, and I was having a really hard time you know, picking up new work. So I was getting one thing here and there, mm-hmm. um, which was helping us get down to Los Angeles because this RV got like four miles to the gallon. It cost us probably like $1,500 to get right. from Seattle down to Los Angeles. Um, and then when we're down there, so we also had a dog at the time. So we were spending like most of our money on dog food because I learned very early on that uh, with some incidences that if you buy the cheap dog food, your dog will have diarrhea everywhere in your room. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went, okay, okay, we'll, we'll give the dog the, the good food. The quality we'll food, the yeah. Food. <laughs> so we were eating the, the dollar ten hot dog and soda oh, deal, no, and our dogs were having the like $75 Sounds like you. bag of, of kibbles. <laughs> um, and that's where we started up our first business together, which mm-hmm. uh, was 2K Diffuser Beads, where we made a smoking accessory because we really knew that kind of world very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I got into social media marketing. We started up an Instagram account, and um, with that Instagram account, drove pretty much all of the traffic um, that we got to our website and to mm-hmm. Amazon. And for us, that was really trackable because we picked a word in a product that didn't exist in any format. Mm-hmm. at all before so before we created diffuser beads if you search diffuser beads like you'd see like beat like you know different bead websites mm-hmm. um for you know like necklaces or something right. something like that there were no smoking accessories that were diffuser beads um and so when we started creating the traffic and buzz around this keyword we knew that it was all generated from the work we were doing right. um and same with you know amazon you can you can pretty much track where the traffic's coming from and we could see that it was coming from our social accounts um and directly from instagram so it was really cool to see that we could take a product that no one had ever heard of um that didn't have any reason for people to like want to try it out other than our marketing methods and kind of, you know, the reasons we were giving them. Um, And mainly that that visual demonstration with social media, because back eight years ago, um, you know, websites were harder to deal with in terms of uploading like video or picture content. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was pretty familiar with setting up WordPress websites, but still it was much, much more time consuming than like posting videos or pictures on, I don't think there was video back then. I think it was just pictures Mm -hmm. um, on Instagram. So did that, we had a surprising amount of success, did I think like 70,000 in sales the first year, um, another like 150,000 in sales the, the second year, you know, not a, a big margin product, um, we retailed it for between 10 to 15, wholesaled it for five, I think our cost was between three and four dollars depending on, um, you know, how we were buying materials in right. specific quantities and things like that. Um, so. We're doing really well, moved out of the homeless situation in, back into a rental, um, but got super burnt out because, like, we're literally spending all our time filling jars of beads mm-hmm. and, like, posting to social media, which I've always enjoyed, so um, how, the marketing how, aspect. At this point, because, like, now your following's much bigger, how big was your following in the beginning stages, like, right, right around there? Yeah, so pretty small. I would say the first year, um, we grew to about 5,000 followers, so not, like... Not super small, but I mean, it's not still solid, um, yeah. huge. 
Yeah, but we were, you know, even with 5,000 followers getting, you know, orders every single day Mm -hmm. um, just from our, our, you know, posting about our jars. And, like, I've always done a style of marketing that I would say is more towards brand marketing than sales marketing. So Mm -hmm. even from the beginning, the pictures I was posting were other people using my product. It wasn't me just showing the product in the packaging. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just, it was a really effective it's a really effective way to market a new product people have never seen before mm-hmm. because they see other people using it and they immediately want to be like, it's a curiosity factor. Right. Um, so I've always very much dipped into people's curiosities because I have a very, very strong sense of curiosity and it's, it's powerful. It's like, if you can find curious people and tap into their curiosity, like done deal. So did that, but got really burnt out. So I wanted to switch to something that I enjoyed more, um, even if it meant making less money right away. So did graphic design Mm -hmm. um, and started printing uh, stickers and T-shirts. So did that for another year and a half, two years. Um, Wanted to scale it, but in terms of researching all the ways to scale it, really the way is to invest in very expensive equipment. And I didn't have access to any lines of credit, Mm -hmm. um, also didn't necessarily want to make that, um, large of a commitment to sticker printing. I like, I like graphic design, but I wasn't fond of like the printing process, let's say. Um, so I've been doing a ton of barter with different glass artists throughout, um, the past, I'd say year of doing the sticker printing Mm -hmm. because I've always done tons of trades off Craigslist. Um, you know, Seattle, the city I grew up in had a really, really great, I'd say Craigslist community just on all different levels. And so I tapped into that really early on because my parents never gave me money. So I was kind of forced to rely on barter for, for a lot of different things I wanted. Um, and I've been trading glass. So instead of getting a hundred dollars cash for, you know, a thousand stickers, I would take three to $500 of glass pieces and then flip it for, you know, 200 really fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was selling more glass pieces than I was stickers. And I thought, you know, I should try out glass (laughs) mine because if I can make the pieces, then this is a much better business. And if I enjoy glass blowing, then I have like, boom, I have the solution to like this problem I'm trying to solve of how do I, do something that I can increase my, um, you know, my income with as I'm working, um, but also really enjoy and love doing. Right. So I traded a one-on-one lesson for a set of stickers, bought the equipment, um, set up in our rental house, a home studio, and started blowing glass every day. Switched my Instagram account. So each time I switched my business, I just pivoted my Instagram account. I took the same following, changed the name, started posting new content told people what was up. I'm mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm doing this now. Um, you know, had some, had some small amount of people leave each time, but I think more and more people just became really interested in what I was doing, um, yeah. and wanted to follow me and kind of see like where I was going on this journey that clearly was not linear. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, so, what you what you're doing. What I mean, what you started to do is so unique too. Like you're saying, like one, even the beginning, like the name you chose was unique. But like what you're doing, like I've never really seen anyone else do that on, on social media at all. So it's very unique. Yeah, yeah. I love trying out new things. Um, I think I've one of the things that's really served me well um, in my business career so far has been my imagination, mm-hmm. which has definitely been developed through reading as a child. Um, so I read a lot, a lot, a lot, uh, especially fiction books, 
um, as a child. I happened to be the perfect age for when the Harry Potter series came out, so I mm-hmm. got to grow up with Harry Potter. Like, I, I loved the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Um, you know, I was also into a series called Redwall, which was all about... Um, Woodling, all the main characters are like different woodland creatures and animals, and they there's like good animals and bad animals, and they have all these adventures. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's totally what's been something that's helped my business side because I think being creative on a business level not only does it um, differentiate your business, but it usually creates some inherent advantage because you're positioning yourself in a different track than everyone else is competing on. Um, And out of that come lots of different things. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, one of the things that's come out of me being able to pivot but keep the same account is I'm able to connect with people on a level that's outside of just the um, product or the service that I'm selling. Mm -hmm. People really understand that I am a dynamic human being running these businesses Mm -hmm. and that I've made myself kind of available for people to communicate with me on that level. Um, And that opens up a whole new just like door for for your business and all the different things that you can do with it. I mean, it makes throwing events easier. It makes it easier going to trade shows. Mm -hmm. um, It it really creates a lot more opportunity for like cross-promotion and networking and partnering with other businesses in your industry. Um, so I, I love the community aspect of business, mm-hmm. um, and it's been definitely a learning journey for me, understanding that, like, the difference between the competition aspect and the collaboration aspect, and that they're both there all the time, mm-hmm. um, and how to really utilize each one in, in a productive and positive way. Wow. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. So, so um, did you know? I've been I've been doing glass blowing for the past uh, five years now, mm-hmm. coming up uh, pretty soon. And then in the past, I'd say eight months is when I hopped onto TikTok, um, and then you know, subsequently onto LinkedIn as well, which has been right. another um, I think really big part of my recent success. So, what kind um, of what kind of influenced you to want to try those those social media platforms? Like, I, I see, like especially in like you on your profile and your resume you like highlight tiktok expert linkedin expert like what what drove you to those two yeah so um i would say in in the big picture it's the realization that their technology was catching up with how um i perceived marketing to work Mm -hmm. um so the way i perceive marketing to work is uh mainly on a human layer so that if you can create good relationships, you will create good businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that technology is something that serves that um, goal on all different levels yeah. um, from you know CRM software to uh, social media where it's a communication tool. Right. Um, and so realizing and that TikTok has a very advanced software to help really creators and everyone on the platform achieve this goal. And same thing with LinkedIn right now. Um, that's what's made me really, I, I'd say, spend the majority of my focus and energy um, both participating and analyzing and researching kind of these platforms. So when you said... Uh, what got me onto it was definitely Gary Vee. <laughs> uh, so I listened to Gary Vee. I listened to a lot of people like uh, like Ed Milet and Andy Frisella. Um, and I just kind of frequent, you know, what they're posting um, and Gary, Gary had been posting about it like very, very consistently. Right. Um, and so I decided to try it out, um, and it immediately worked very, very Absolutely. well big, for me. Big Gary Vee. Yeah, guy I'm a right huge right. Gary Vee fan. I, uh, I actually I work for one of his his companies now. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, the Sasha group. I saw Sasha, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm wearing on my sweatshirt. But um, <laughs> how did you find success with TikTok? Was it like a test and like learn type of deal, or like did you kind of go into it knowing what your game plan was for it? Like, how did you build that that following? Yeah, so I, I got into it completely clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I downloaded it, I didn't really even know what was going on, like why it was showing me videos or like, you know, it just it starts showing you videos. And if you're not used to that, it's very confusing. Yep. Um, I figured out how I could post a video. So that I was like, okay, ignore the rest of it. Like just post, you know, a video a day, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately from the get-go, the videos were getting hundreds and, you know, a couple thousand views, which yeah. was fascinating to me i was like how how does that work i don't have followers yet or i have like you know 15 followers or like oh i'm already gaining followers like why is this happening um so i was immediately fascinated just because it worked differently and so i was curious um and then two weeks in i posted a video that started getting millions of views Mm -hmm. um and so this is what really heightened my fascination and curiosity and like the comments were all super i didn't understand any of the comments at first because they were all Visco girls have entered the chat and like this, like hashtag Visco. And I like, didn't, I was like, what is Visco? And I, I Googled it. Right. Yeah. And there was a definition. I didn't understand the definition. They were like, it's a girl who wears scrunchies and has a hydro flask. I was like, what, what does that mean? I still don't get it. <laughs> um, so that just the fact that there was clearly some subculture that I was having trouble understanding what it was mm-hmm. that fascinated me. Right. I was like, what's going on here? I thought I was hip and young. Um, <laughs> and so, that and then I started, you know, thinking about why did this video get millions of views and my other videos are getting like hundreds or a couple thousand. Yeah. And so I spent, you know, a day just thinking about that, came up with a couple theories, um, posted more videos based off those theories, uh, analyzed the results and just had that continual process of, um, you know, coming up with a hypothesis, treating the post like a science experiment and then analyzing the results yeah, and coming up with more you know, data right, yeah. uh, for me to come up with better experiments. Yeah. And timing is always super, super important. So this was, this first viral video was end of August, which gave me the idea. Part of um, what I thought made the video go viral was tapping into attention. So um, I'm pretty sure that TikTok has enough um, AI and data available that on any day or at any time they can, um, or it, the software can predict where attention is. Like if a event happens in the media that it knows that people want to watch more of, you know, that type of video. Yeah. And the turtle picture with the straw of its nose had just been circulating and there just been kind of a lot of attention around, um, you know, save the turtles and what's going on with trash in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And the video I posted was a very, very realistic uh, glass <laughs> sea turtle. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was one of the reasons. So I thought, okay, it's about to be Halloween. Maybe I should post something, you know, some glass pumpkins because glass pumpkins are one of the very widely made things in glass blowing um, art culture. Mm-hmm. Um, people make them from all over the world, come fall time. It's not necessarily associated with Halloween. It's associated with fall. Right. Um, But, I mean, nowadays, you see a pumpkin, you think Halloween. And I posted the first first pumpkin video on the last day of August with kind of the caption and context of, is it too early to start getting excited for Halloween? So I tapped into another source of attention that I thought there was going to be. And then also, um, I tapped into controversy. 
So I was going to, that essentially pitted people against each other. People are going to say, yes, it's way too early or no, it's never too early. Right. Like people have very strong opinions about holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also something I saw from the first turtle video because people were arguing in the comments about whether or not it was a real turtle. Mm-hmm. They were like, they're murdering a turtle. And other people were like, no, it's glass art. Um, and so I thought, okay, maybe if you can get people to argue in the comments or like have that controversy, that's another driving factor. Right. Um, and I pretty much nailed it on the, on the head with that video. And that video did, I think more than 20 million views. Jeez. And so I just repeated and did some more pumpkin videos leading up to Halloween as people were getting more and more excited for the holiday. Right. And again, luckily Halloween happens to be one of the biggest holidays in the world in terms of both attention and the level of excitement that people have for the holiday. Um, it's something I think pretty recent in the past decade that's really developed. Um, but people go cuckoo bonkers for Halloween on mm-hmm. every age level from yeah. like super young trick-or-treating to like 100%. I want to go out and party because I'm young to like I'm an adult or like an old grandma but like yeah. I want to get dressed up too right, yeah. um, <clears throat> so tapped into that for the whole month of October you know tapped into videos surrounding Halloween um, and kind of that that theme um, gained 600,000 followers <clears throat> in that month um, just kind of I'd say continue to ride the momentum all the way up to, to where I am today Wow. I just want to backtrack a little bit. Um, it says Nicki Minaj was playing in the background during the Sea Turtle video. Yes. <laughs> that was just like a random choice. I don't know. I'm sure it had uh, a factor to do with like the video doing well. I don't know why though. Yeah. Did any like music artists reach out to you? So I've had music, ar- not Nicki Minaj, but I have had <laughs> music artists re- reach out to me. So I got, um, I got free VIP tickets to a baby no money concert which really? is super cool i call them all <laughs> concerts i know it's just a music show but i'm like old school so i call everything a concert yeah <laughs> but yeah i've had i've had several music artists reach out not only in terms of like saying thank you for posting they, they were reposting it really well but also in terms of paid music promotion so people always ask how do you monetize um through tiktok and honestly one of the biggest opportunities for any business person brand um is through paid music promotion awesome and wait, you said there people were reposting it? Yeah, people were reposting it, correct? Like, oh, like music yeah, all artists. over. It's got like thousands and, or like 10,000 plus shares across, you know, Instagram and other platforms and things like that. Sure. Have you had a chance to ever talk to Gary or has he like, have you interacted with him on social media? Not yet. Um, although I did get an honorable mention shout out in his hashtag Gary B challenge, which is pretty cool. That's, that's um, dope. Although I was going for the win, so a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's definitely, definitely one of my goals is to connect with all of the people who um, I look up to and think are doing really um, productive you know, positive things in the world mm-hmm. um, on all levels from business to nonprofit to, um, you know, intellectual or thought, you know, thought space type uh, work. Uh, because I think that the type of value that I'm able to bring is really a lot of times on a, a creative level, which mm-hmm. is applicable really across the, the board. If you help someone and you're the reason why they are in part successful, that they will come back and help you Absolutely. and they'll have more resources mm-hmm. to help you. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't help to help people who already have a bunch of resources because mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need you. Yeah. It really helps in the long term, I think, make a bigger impact 
not only in the world, but like for yourself, if you can help people who start out with very little, right. um, especially because oftentimes those are the people who create the most in the long run. Yeah. Um, they're the most motivated. They learn the most. They develop the most skill because they're forced to. So my goal is just to not be bored in life. Um, I think I get bored really easily. Um, and kind of the more you tap into creativity, the more you kind of need creativity at the mm -hmm. same time. Um, and so it's, I'm, I'm really, really happy to have found um, platforms that allow me to really connect with people and tap into those strengths that I have. Yeah. Um, I love, I love connecting with, you know, like, again, I, I find a lot of connection with Gary Vee through the content that I've been watching. Um, I love an underdog. Um, I've always seen myself as an underdog. Yeah. I grew up in a, um, you know, Orthodox Jewish family and went to a private Jewish uh, school for my up until middle school. And then I got switched to an almost all black public school where I was one of like eight white kids. Oh, uh, and then I got switched to um, a you know, very elite, private, mostly white school. Um, and so, like, the changing around has always made me feel like I don't necessarily fit in anywhere that I've been mm -hmm. um, up until, I'd say, you know, my adult life um, where I've really kind of found my communities and um, the mm -hmm. people that I connect with the, the most. Um, but, you know, having that underdog spirit has always been something that I both love about myself and I love about humanity. Like that's something you can spark in anyone, yeah. even someone who's, you know, completely down, someone who seems really like a negative person or like an awful person. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, like that guy's a jerk. Like all it takes sometimes is one spark or one communication and that's a different person now. And they have um, an infinite, you know, amount of, of potential in them. Um, you talked about your family a little bit. How supportive were they during your whole process you know you mentioned mom didn't help you out with a lot of money like how like how, how have they come around to to what you do now like being yeah, a successful so like yesterday my mom sent me a text um that was like <laughs> i miss my baby you'll always be my baby but i'm also really proud of my adult grown woman girl it was like almost <laughs> word for word that so <laughs> so that's kind of how it's transitioned um i think you know Part of it is definitely my responsibility. Like, I definitely didn't communicate in a way that showed, like, love or respect to my parents when I was um, in college and separated from them. And I think, you know, I didn't communicate what I was going through. I didn't tell them what I was struggling with. Um, now, if you know, it takes two to tango. Like, I didn't feel comfortable doing that, and they didn't foster mm -hmm. a sense of um, me feeling safe to discuss things that I thought they disagreed with. Right. Um, so I grew up kind of in a fear mindset about sharing things that I was, you know, questioning, um, mm -hmm. but that I thought, you know, might be good, might be bad. Like, I don't know. It was, you know, I thought that was better to just keep inside. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, outgrowing that was something I had to do um, and definitely was part of, um, you know, what helped our relationship get better was me realizing, you know, these are things that I don't want to be doing um, and I'm going to cut those out of my life. And here are things mm -hmm. I do want to focus more on. So, you know, it's been a huge, huge personal journey over the past 10 years. And I would say only in the past year have I been like really, really happy on the level that I am now where I'm, you know, wake up every day, very excited. Um, you know, when bad things happen, they don't really shake me as much. Like I might get upset about it for like, you know, 30 minutes maximum now before I have, you know, different mental strategies and, you know, action strategies that pick me out of that because I've spent 10 years struggling with that and figuring mm -hmm. out how do you 
deal with like being depressed every day when like your life sucks um you know because like when you're homeless your life sucks like it's not fun like you're hungry all the time um you're dirty all the time like you have to deal with the elements in a different way so like we're down in los angeles in an rv so we couldn't be in the rv for most of the day because it was too hot there's no air conditioning um and so we'd have to like figure out what to do with ourselves um and again we had two dogs so like just you know figuring out how to survive versus um being in a place now where i'm not in a survival mode i really get to think about um and be intentional about the things that i'm doing is i mean that's that's a very long hard process i think for most people to get from survival mode to intentional mode all right so as we're starting to wind down now um we don't want to keep you for too long but um if you had to give some advice to some people I mean, even people like us, like we're starting a podcast. Like if you had to give some advice to some people out there starting something new, trying something new, um, what would be your best like high overview advice on what they should do in order TikTok, to build up TikTok, all that. We're, we're trying to get into TikTok. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just everything in yeah. general. Like How many times you post a day to, to everything. Yeah. So I, my favorite new piece of advice, it's not a new piece, but it's my favorite thing I've been saying lately, um, is to spend like at least 10 to 15 minutes every single day researching something you're really curious about but that has nothing to do with your business at all because it will one make you much more interesting and your business much more interesting and then two it will be an amazing source for innovation and creativity within your business because the things we learn in any one area will always apply in some way to all the other areas of our life Mm -hmm. so what that weird thing you learn about how um, mosquitoes suck blood like is gonna somehow apply in some part of your business or your yeah. podcast or I you'll agree. think of a cool idea to do a new video because you you read about it mm-hmm. um, and it'll be completely unique mm-hmm. which is I think the thing that's becoming more and more difficult as you know social space and digital space is becoming much more crowded is you really do have to differentiate yourself in a way where people are interested in you you don't have to just be like value is great but boring value is not going to win against like very, very interesting, even non-value. Like I would rather like watch a video about something very, very interesting that had no value to me than watch a boring documentary. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's something that people on any level in any business in any industry can, can tap into. It's good awesome. advice. Yeah. Coming from the totally, expert. I mean, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So mine, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you guys can go out, check her out on TikTok, at World of Glass. Um, she also has another account, Joy Off Food, which maybe you want to dive into that a little bit too, actually, before we go, because you, you, you also have a food account, which we forgot to talk about. Yeah, so I started that one up after I had a solid month of repeated success on, on posting TikTok videos on my World of Glass account. Mm-hmm. And I, I always want to like create systems if I can. And so I was like, is this a system that I can repeat? And so I created a second account, um, in a completely different vertical, but still in something that I really had a love for because I love food. Did you Um, use, did you use, sorry to cut you off. Did you use your prior account to like help jumpstart it or you just completely started and tested it out on your own? See if I could do it again. Complete zero for both of them. That's good. So none of the followers or traffic has ever come from any of my other social media. Um, and really, so with TikTok, some, some real quick things like colors really, really matter. If you can nail down colors in your videos, mm-hmm. um, like purple, pink, and orange are incredibly eye-catching 
to people, especially on a full screen vertical video. Mm -hmm. um, that along with timing, so like how fast your video, like video speed, certain speeds are just like visually very pleasing to us. Um, or like the way if you speed certain things up, the way like jump cuts will happen and the way that that'll time up with music or rhythm is just like incredibly satisfying to us. Um, if you can nail down some of these like psychological things that make a video pleasing to watch, mm -hmm. then you can apply them to any any type of content or category on TikTok. That's crazy sweet. People think it's much like simpler <laughs> than that. There's a lot to it. Yeah, like every little thing kind of matters, yeah. like the more you analyze it. But um, Yeah, exactly. And that's why even if you look at accounts that have 30 million followers, there will be a huge range in their videos from like 300,000 views mm -hmm. up to like 80 million views. Like mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a huge scale for like a daily basis to be going yeah. like this. And that's because it's so sensitive as to recognize oh, these little factors made a difference, this little factor made a difference, this little factor made a difference. So let me ask you a question because I know I know some people who like, just your general opinion, because I know some people who like, they, they'll start a, they've started a TikTok account and they kind of like bait followers into following them. Like they'll post like these silly videos where it's like, like follow, or it's like, if you lose this, you got to follow me. Um, but the, their point of view on it is like, if I get X amount of followers from this, then I can start going into what I want to do. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's like you should be more genuine with the content you're creating as more in lines with what you want to do? Or do you think it's that's a good way to build up and then kind of go off of that? Um, I mean, I think that anytime you can build up attention, that that's good mm -hmm. um, in general, as long as it's in a positive. Like, obviously, if you're building up attention in a way where, like, people hate you, that's yeah. not good. Right. <laughs> um, but if you're building up attention in any type of positive or even a neutral way, then I think that that does give you leverage. And I think mm -hmm. leverage is always something that helps you out in business. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I wouldn't say don't do that. Like if you're able to do that and be successful at using, let's say, tactics or hacks or like tricks to build up an account quickly and then transfer into something else, mm -hmm. like, great, definitely do that. Um, but if you're going to try that out and it doesn't work for you like really quick, quickly right away, don't stick with that strategy over a different strategy that is also going to provide more value in addition to the growth potential. Agreed. Mayan, thank you again so much for your time. Follow her on TikTok, at World of Glass, at Joy of All Food. Instagram, over 80K followers between the two accounts, Monkey Boy Glass and Monkey Boy Art. And then YouTube, um, just at Mayan Gordon. Um, she also has a membership website, uh, mayan.pubninja.com. Um, Mayan, really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate giving some free game to whoever checks out this podcast. Um, hopefully building their brands and hopefully we can get you on again when, uh, that Netflix thing comes up, comes to fruition eventually. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, it's been yeah. awesome. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe out there. Roll it up. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mayan, appreciate it. Thank you. So big and loud, I jump so high, I touch the clouds. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. I stretch my hands out to the sky. We dance with monsters through the night. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. Whoa, I'm never gonna look back. Whoa, I'm never gonna give it up. No, please don't wake me now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.